0: What's up, Red Letter Disciples? Zach Zinder here. Another episode coming to you with Chris Johnson, my co-host. He'll be joining in a couple of minutes. Our goal, uh, the Red Letter Disciple, is to challenge you. That's right, you, to be a greater disciple of Jesus, no matter what you're doing in your everyday life. We believe that God has designed you to be a great disciple. And when all of us step up to be great disciples, we're just going to give more people a greater, truer, and fresher expression of Jesus that's going to change the world because that's what Jesus does. He changes the world. And our guest fits right in with that mission today. Caesar Kalinowski is an author, podcaster, spiritual entrepreneur. Uh, In fact, he's got one of the most popular discipleship podcasts out there called The Everyday Disciple. And I thought, man, that podcast, that's like the mission of our podcast. And so rather than, we're not in competition, let's bring them on and we can learn from Caesar and learn from Caesar, we, we definitely do. So he unpacks some really great discipleship opportunities, Tells talks just about a discipleship framework that everyone can practice and, and really has some great practical stories to back it up. And we're going to learn, I promised in the last episode, we're going to learn why Caesar decided to feed his family red beans and rice for 42 straight days. And, like, how does it have to do with discipleship or does it? Um, and anyway, it's a funny, crazy story, but it's pretty awesome. So, anyway, today's episode is brought to you by Red Letter Living. We create resources that challenge all people to be greater followers of Jesus. And again, if you're listening in real time, it is Giving Tuesday today the day this podcast came out it was thanksgiving and black friday last week christmas is coming soon too like there's a lot happening but first let me tell you on giving tuesday we have a free gift for you and secondly i'm going to tell you about some of our black friday which at red letter league we call black friday red friday we're going to tell you about a couple deals that are ending tomorrow so first though in light of giving tuesday not only do we give you this podcast And by the way, this podcast costs something there. We pay for that, but it's free to you. And so I hope you're blessed by it. And if you are like, please, that'd be great to review it five-star rating, would be awesome. But also we have a free Advent devotional for you written by my very own wife, Allison. 25 devotions focused on how Jesus is always working. It's a great lead in to the big Christmas celebration, a cool devotional meant just for you. And so please receive that gift. Uh, Best way to get it is just to go to redletterpodcast.com and click on the episode with Caesar. And we'll have a link there for you to grab that. Now The deals. Yes, our best deals for the coming year are right now for our 40-day challenges. We have deals for pastors and church leaders, and we have deals for everyday disciples. And so don't miss it. The biggest discounts of the year, but they do end tomorrow. You can find those deals at redletterchallenge.com slash red dash Friday. And again, if that's too much, just go to redletterpodcast.com and we'll put the links on the show notes today. But before we dive in, we've got just one episode of season five left next week. And I'll I'll tell you about about that one at the end, but we're going to break for the Christmas and New Year season. And so on this break, I'd love to hear from you. Like, who would you like us to have on the podcast at some point in 2024? And also, do you know an organization that would love to get the word out about what they're doing that could link up in partnership with what we're doing that would consider sponsoring an episode or a half or full season of Red Letter Disciple? As we said earlier, there is a cost to these and we try to bring our best to you. And so if you could help us spread the word, if you know of a guest who'd be great to have on or an organization that we could partner with, please reach out to our team at hello at redletterchallenge.com. And again, the last thing that every single one of you can do, we try to give our best to this. But if if we're doing a good job of that and this this discipleship podcast is challenging you or helping you, we really would love a five-star rating. And if you're really bold, and I mean really bold, like taking 90 extra seconds bold. (laughs) If you could write that review for us, those mean the world. And not only do they help us get new listeners, but those ratings and reviews help us show up on certain lists, which is really great to get word out to new potential sponsors, which just means we get to do more and more and more of this. I know I love doing it. I hope you love hearing it and getting it. And that would be a real blessing to us. So I'm done begging now. (laughs) So let's get on with today's show. Let's do this. It's Red Letter Disciple time. We got another great guest. We always got great guests. I'm really excited today to bring in Caesar Kalinowski. director of, of the Disciple. Caesar
1: salad. Oh, I don't really? know if you knew that or not. Yes, know. that is yeah. correct.
0: Yeah. I don't know if he did that, but he does do a lot of things. He's a spiritual entrepreneur and a mentor. He's an author, written several books, including the Gospel Primer. And he's also the host of the Everyday Disciple podcast. You know,
1: that's got over 400 episodes.
0: Well, almost. It's oh, crazy. Really? It's, yeah, hundreds That's of conversations. Like eight <laughs>
1: times more than us.
0: <laughs> but anyway, Caesar's going to fit in really well with us here at the Red Letter Disciple, where we want to challenge everybody to be greater disciples. And so I think it makes perfect sense to bring Caesar. Caesar, welcome to the Red Letter Disciple. How is your day going today? Oh,
2: hold on. Let me get my headset,
0: uh, you know. <laughs> I do
2: have a leftover, like, uh, Janet Jackson giant ball mic I could grab if that would— yeah, yeah, that would help. You got it. So I'm having a great day. Mm. Went out, got some salmon this morning. They're
1: running Ooh, right now. So. All right. Nice. So you're a fisherman. Yeah, I play one on television, and I so, love yes. fishing. I love fishing. I've never caught a salmon in my entire life, but being uh in Florida, we do a lot of mahi. We do tuna. We do. All can I stuff.
2: can I tell you a sad but awesome story?
1: I would love salmon?
2: a sad story. Yeah. <laughs> so I grew up in Waukegan, Illinois, which is the freshwater salmon capital of the world. Okay? Oh wow! I didn't
1: know they and I that. And I
2: could see Lake Michigan from our corner, okay. where our house was. And I rode my little stingray down to the pier, shoulder to shoulder with everybody every year when those salmon were running the Coho. I have the same gear, same pole, watching everybody, same speed of retrieval never caught a salmon guys had trunk fulls <laughs>
1: wow moved out
2: here There's salmon five minutes from my door same thing wow. nothing sunday last sunday i think it was easter no i was kidding <laughs> <laughs> i caught my first salmon uh broke the curse i felt like the 19 wow. you know oh six cubs you know night or well 2016 finally you know <laughs> right right yeah and mean, uh and then mean. this morning uh, again so i'm going back in the morning what kind of running, salmon so. are you catching caesar these particular ones, thus far, are called pinks. They're
1: pinks. Oh yeah, pink salmon. Wow. All right. Cool. They're delish. So. Yeah, that's exciting, man. So, what do you use to catch it? Uh, we're using something called a buzz bomb, like a, a hot pink buzz bomb. Okay. So you're not fly fishing or anything like that.
2: No, <laughs> this is right in the Puget Sound. The water crashing, the waves. Okay. Yeah, okay. and uh, no, but we I love to fly fish, but not you don't fly fish in this particular yeah. kind of setting gotcha. that's
0: awesome wow. is it never like a one. throw your nets on the other side thing that just <laughs> wasn't working and
2: well i was cast in apparently the wrong direction up onto the sand and my buddy tapped me on the shoulder no, and i
0: <laughs> this guy with
1: long hair says, yeah, Caesar, yeah. throw it over there.
0: Throw it in the water. That's usually where the fish are. There you go. There you go. I love it, Caesar. Thanks for being a part of this. You've had hundreds of interviews on your podcast, The Everyday Disciple. So I just what led you? I'm curious to lead a podcast called The Everyday Disciple.
2: Well, as we were training and coaching lots and lots of people about how to live their faith out, a Christian faith, but in everyday life. Somewhere along the line, uh, we kind of stumbled upon that term, everyday disciple, and it really seemed to resonate versus discipleship. Right away, you, you realize, hey, this these people are not talking about discipleship in a nine week course hmm. or, you know, in a, in a 101, 201, 301, 401, you know, on Sundays. Yep. And now you're a disciple. Boom, <laughs> you're done. You're mature. So <laughs> um, that that term, we started doing some online challenges called the Everyday Disciple Challenge, and it really resonated. And so uh, that just became sort of the name of the podcast and the brand and the whole thing. And the longer we go, the more I like it, actually, because it does just sort of immediately, you know, discipleship and mission made simple. There it is. I'm a storyteller. I, know, I, I, I hide the theology. You know, <laughs> I hide it into the practical because if we're not living it, what's the point? Like, yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? Like a head full of what? So that, yeah, that's absolutely. kind of what led to it is this idea of like, could this be lifestyle? It really gets to be. And I think it's what we saw Jesus lived, honestly. Yeah. And uh, for us, it is lifestyle. So it's not a matter of, oh, do I feel like being a disciple today <laughs> or being making it or, you know. Yeah, pulls out of identity. Once that shift happened in our brains, we're like, no, this is how we roll. <laughs>
0: that's cool. Yeah, we'll get into a little bit of that, how that's lifestyle, what that what that looks like for you, and how you've really helped build frameworks for it. So, yeah, you're several hundred episodes in now. So lots of interviews and lots of great guests and lots of great storytelling from yourself. Uh, if you could summarize, like, what you think are the top obstacles right now in America or the Western world. When it comes to being the great disciples God has called us to be, what are some of the mm-hmm. obstacles stopping us from being those everyday disciples?
2: I'll give you just two. They're super common, and I bet you hear them all the time as well. I, I would say I probably get an email daily with someone sort of, oh, yeah, this sounds great on the podcast. However, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> so, first thing is most Christians have never been discipled. Mm. Literally, you know, when you when we when we describe discipleship where uh, we say it's the process of moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel in absolutely every area of life. So it's not a gospel about your afterlife upgrade. And in between now and, and when you get to heaven or Jesus gets back, it's about sin management or behavioral modification. When we talk about no, it's helping people and them helping you in community move from unbelief to belief. Or lies to truth in light of the gospel in every area of life. They never. I was never discipled like that. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I was taken through a series of nine week classes. It was right. topical. Okay, here's uh fifteen verses on prayer. So go pray. You know, here's uh, here's the angel angelology week. Okay, angels are real. I guess I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it was not. How does the gospel speak into and then work itself out as good news? Yeah. In every area of life, parenting, uh, our work, our retirement. Our identity, gender, politics, uh, your finances, generosity, all, all of it the gospel speaks to. So most Christians have not yeah. been discipled, really, in that way.
1: Not so, none. <laughs> right. So you're, great grammar, I'm but... under, if I'm understanding you correctly, Caesar, it sounds like a lot of churches have tried to make discipleship a head thing, right? Like yeah. take these classes and then boom, after eight weeks, here is your crown. You are now a disciple. Go disciple. yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. As opposed to the way that Jesus did it, really walking with people, building it relationally, where we can ask questions and it's not such a college course per se. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that
2: sort of leads to the second challenge that I think is really the giant barrier. It's a lie. It's one we have to help people move from, but is well, I'm just too busy for what you talk about.
1: We just talked about that. Right.
2: Everybody's too busy. They're not. And and we'll, we'll get to talk about these discipleship rhythms that everybody lives in already, but they think they are. And they say, oh, well that I just would never have time to live the way you live. Now, this is really interesting. We wonder why there's so little maturity in the church and such a sort of exodus of, you know, the next generation and the next one after that and all that yeah I did a little bit of math. This won't be the exact number, but I, I I figured, okay, Jesus did about three and a half years with his disciples, okay ish right yeah. mm-hmm. let's say it seemed like it was kind of every waking hour they were he was with some of them, if not all of them, I did the math that's about thirty thousand hours. Wow then i then I paralleled that and I said, let's say. Uh, you went to a church and you weren't 1.3 times a month, which is like the national average now, but you went every week. Okay. You're a rock star. You're Crush. really a rock star. Yeah. Christian. So you go every week. And then because your church is rock and you go midweek, oh, and wow. it's really yeah. rock. And so they're actually doing a discipleship training one Saturday a month. and It's a couple hours and you go because you don't, you, you're a rock star Christian. Yeah. And I did, I added that up and it was going to be something like 112 years <laughs> to get to the same amount of hours uh for that's for the rock star so, attendees yeah. i do have
1: a follow-up question well, to that. So then, hold on, let, let, yeah so, go for
2: it go for so you compare and contrast here's yeah, jesus pretty right. good at discipleship i'm guessing
1: yeah yeah, yeah. he spends thirty
2: thousand hours with his guys in matthew 28 at the ascension it says the 11 were still there or they were alive watching as he ascended and some still didn't believe they doubted and, and then we we figure you know 1.3 times a month, hour, hour and a half, sitting in rows, staring at the back ahead, singing some camp songs, listening to one guy talk, taking some notes. That'll get her done. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: So when are you coming out with your 30,000 hour discipleship program then as the follow-up? Question? Yeah, well, we have that.
0: No one's gotten through it yet, including <laughs> me,
1: including myself.
0: <laughs> including nice. Myself. I like that. All right. So if those are the obstacles... Uh, They haven't been, nobody, nobody's, like I said, not nobody, but hardly any have actually been discipled and then people feel too busy, busy, busy. What are the opportunities that you see that we have as disciples living in our world?
2: One of the things that we've sort of, you know, I feel like God taught us along the way of trying to make disciples is that there seems to be these uh, six rhythms of life that everybody lives in from like Genesis through Israel, Jesus and his disciples, you and I, different cities, Zimbabwe, doesn't matter, Africa, you know, um, there's these discipleship rhythms that we all live in and we already all live in them. And so do our neighbors and so do our friends. And so does everybody at church. And once, once you see those and you realize they're all like, go figure perfectly designed by God to be like, Oh, there's a killer opportunity for disciple making. Yeah. And it flows out of our Trinitarian identity and we're creating God's image. He's Trinitarian. So it flows out of that. When, when that flows into those six things you're already doing and so are your friends, by the way, now it's no longer a matter of additional. Yeah. Like I got to add this to my life. It's, 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 you have to move from additional thinking to intentional. Now it's a matter of retraining my heart to believe my identity and then just live that in the same rhythms I'm already living in with others. Yeah, that's great. And then growing in our fluency of the gospel enough so that, that like we were talking about, helping people move from unbelief to belief or lies yeah. to truth in light of the gospel, connected to every area of life. And and that's then now all of a sudden, discipleship becomes lifestyle. So it's today on the beach fishing with my buddy. It's, you know, standing at the counter, cleaning those salmon afterwards. It's, you know, it's uh, the p- people from the Oikos, people from our community, Coming over tonight for shawarmas. It's you know, it's just it's in all of it now. Mm. Are
1: you going to make a salmon shawarma?
2: No, it's chicken. It's going to be <laughs> okay, chicken. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so that sounds actually pretty yummy. So all good. of a
1: sudden, I want salmon.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Didn't. All right, enough of the salmon talk. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so accidental to intentional discipleship. I heard you say there's uh, six things that every person uh, no does. additional to intentional, additional, mm. not accidental. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, talk me through that because I think a lot of people, when they think discipleship, they, they have this old mindset, which is a little bit of what we've already mentioned. It feels like this check the box mentality. So, go to church, read my Bible, pray, a couple other spiritual disciplines. Uh, maybe, just maybe every now and then have a conversation with somebody about who Jesus is and how he changed him out. Check box, check box, check box. Yep, yep. But that's, not, that's not lifestyle. That's, that's just a few Presentational. things. Presentational. Yeah. So, so what does it look like then? Tell me about the lifestyle. And so it's less checking boxes. It's, it's more who you are. Sure. So first, let me just set the table
2: a little bit. All of this has to flow out of our, our understanding of our identity, God given. Cause the, the, the mystery revealed, Paul said, is God is actually going to fill the world with his glory. Here's the mystery. How? Through humans, through the image bearers that now have his possess his spirit. That's how he's going to fill the whole world with his glory. Hmm. And, as you become more and more like Jesus, that's what discipleship's about. Uh, Jesus is the glory of the father. So, so for, you look at God's, our father, all of our fathers, like every human doesn't matter if they go to your church or said the magic prayer or they're in the right denomin or whatever. If they're humans, they were born, they were created in the image of God. That makes some siblings of a sort, you know, that makes some brothers and sisters. They don't all believe in the redemption yet. Hmm. They don't all trust dad, but, According to scripture, thousands of verses. It's like, uh, yeah, offspring. We all bear the same last name, Paul says. So that makes us family. So you got to believe that. You got to believe that really in God's view, your neighbors, that's not, hey, what if that was your sister living across the street, struggling with the kids and because she's got no dad around, you know, like, no, that is your sister, you know? So we're family. We're missionaries. We've been sent by the same. Jesus says, as I was sent. So I sent you breeze on them, right? You know, receive the spirit. Of course, they're Jews, so they go right back to Genesis. Oh, creation, this is what it was always meant to be, right? And where Jesus says, I didn't come to be served, but I came as one who serves. And as I was sent, so I send you. So we're servants. And so out of this understanding, and we go have to go deep in this. This takes a long time to really internalize, but family of missionary servants. Family of missionary servants sent as disciples who make disciples. Now, how? Well, how do, What would do he do? Let me Let me just point out the six rhythms you already live in and let your identity flow so i just want to set that table so here's the six rhythms real quick and then we can talk about them if you want like what does it look like you know so the first one is kind of a made-up word we call it story formed it's it's everyone has a story and has been shaped by some dominant story well how well do you know and teach others the the big overarching story of god and help them connect their stories to god's big story everyone has a story yeah. And all we do is talk about our little version of the story. Now we hear story, we think, oh, it's got to be my life story. No, it could just be like, hey, what's going on at work? Oh, uh, my freaking boss. You know, are we really listening? That's the yeah. second less, uh, second of the rhythms is listen. And we yeah. we teach our disciples that you, we we get to learn to listen both backward and forward. We listen backward through scripture, through the word of God, through the story. And we listen forward through this Holy Spirit and through community. God mm. speaks to us often, very often, through each other, right? As mm-hmm. we're listening, uh, celebrate. We all live in a rhythm of celebration. Think about how many parties you go to in a year—birthday parties, grand, you know, like well, I say grandkids. Sure. You guys probably aren't on the uh <laughs> Nephews, nieces, your kids' friends' parties, Christmas, holidays, Super Bowl. I mean, we go to a lot of celebrations. Well, what do, so do your friends? What if you went there with intentionality? It's like, well, we're a family of missionary servants. So that's how yeah. we roll to that, you know, looking yeah. for those. Um, eat, there's a rhythm, 21 oh, meals yeah. a week for most Americans, 28 if you're Norwegian. They
0: <laughs> <a day>. <laughs> awesome.
2: So for all your Norwegian listeners, high five, air five on oh, that. We, yeah,
0: yeah, we got tons of Norwegian oh, Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> <it out>
2: <laughs> so that meals, that's our—that's a big one. Celebrate and eat are huge. They're easy. Uh, the idea that part of the original covenant God had with, His family, Israel, now us, right, is blessed to be a blessing. There are opportunities to bless so often, word, action, or deed. And we kind of teach what that looks like. It's super simple. It's just intentionality. And then the sixth rhythm is is really like the Sabbath, but we call it recreate. Like it's two words jammed together. It's rest and create. Out of our rest in what Christ has done, his completed work, now we can work and create and know have a surplus to share and but not to earn his approval not to be our own provision so out of rest we create so we call it recreate it really is sabbath it's the idea of sabbath but when we got out here to Tacoma Sabbath was like Sabbath is is Ozzy Osborne's how old is that guy is he still alive even yeah so so those are the six rhythms we all live in them yeah now you can like learn to see them as opportunity And it's not a matter of like, oh, I got to add a bunch of stuff. Like, now you're eating, you're eating this week, right? How about one meal (laughs) you
0: you have with a not yet believer? You know, yeah. So behind all uh, those six, though, first we've got to get. It sounds like from what you're saying that identity piece correct. It's super foundational. We're family. We're missional, and we're servant.
2: Yep. Family okay. missionary servants. Yep. Send his disciples to make disciples without that. What happens is trying to live into those rhythms. You do it in your flesh. You do it, you know, for your own glory and it starts to become like a new law. Yeah. I got to be having people over. I got to get, I got to tell the story of God. I, you know, I got to go out and bless people it, instead of like, no, when I do, it's flowing out of who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's what God's like. Cause I bear his image. And that's how the world gets filled with his glory. The word glory means. Yeah. What he's like, right? Doesn't mean like, get a boy, God, give him some glory, you know? Yeah. Hey, God, give him some glory. No, you glorify God when you live like Him. When you show the world what He's like. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the glory of the Father. Yeah, that's us now. We get to live that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a big, big piece, though, is that identity piece. I think that's where people are really struggling today so much. Is, is just receiving that identity and, and understanding that's who how God sees them and how God calls them as well. Everything so, you see
2: in the news and all the stuff yeah. we're fighting
0: about and all the big to-dos
2: all comes back to identity. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's good. So go a little deeper maybe into your, your personal examples and stories with this to help us see this because I, I hear it. I, I think I think it's awesome. I love it. So when I go to Celebration... I'm a I'm a servant of God, a disciple who's sent to make disciples. And so do I wear a John 316 shirt. Yeah. Um, And you hand out lots
2: of little crumpled green uh, booklets. Lots of those posters. Yeah. So
0: so yeah, legitimately though, walk me through it just so I can kind of capture it a little bit in some stories of yours. So
2: these six rhythms, because they're kind of always going on, they kind of really overlap and intersect without you even needing to try. So for instance, when uh, we first got to Tacoma, we started having a a neighborhood barbecue. And now those in Texas go smoker. Like I'm from the Midwest barbecue. It's a grill, you know, like it grills and stuff, but I'm going to use the term barbecue. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So we had a neighborhood barbecue every Friday night and we went around with flyers and we said, Hey, get to know in the neighbors. And so come on over. Right. Had a little a frame sign out front of the house on Fridays. Hey, You know, barbecue tonight at five, reminding people, hand out flyers every week. People start coming little by little, not at first, but little by little. Here's the thing. Eat rhythm. Are we eating anyway on Friday? Mm -hmm. Yep. Are my kids eating? Yep. Are the people, the believers in my community, are they eating Friday? Yep. So what's the rub to invite a few more, right? Well, I couldn't afford it. Yeah, you can when everybody's pitching, but we treat everybody like family. So what's the first thing they say? We're going to come. What could we bring? Yeah. Yeah, I always tell them like bring like a twenty-four year McAllen because that's probably <laughs> <what it does. laughs> exactly bring, bring whatever you want, right? Bring whatever you want. If there's always way more than you could possibly eat. Now we did that all the time. Now that's eat, but then we'd also that's when we'd hold everybody's birthdays and kids in the neighborhood that were latchkey. We'd we'd throw their birthday parties for them, right? Part of the celebration of treating them like family. Yeah. can't tell you how many kids we've done this with, where. They have the cake in front of them. Missional community bought them a couple of small gifts or whatever. And they're like sitting there and they're like, I've never done this before. And you're like, what? Like had a cake? Like, well, yeah, I've never had a cake, but I've never, no one's ever thrown me a birthday party. Wow. Hmm. It's sad. So sad, you know. (laughs) And so now the whole time though, we're getting to know their story, right? Yeah. We're listening. And but we're really listening, you know, and we're listening in light of the gospel, creation, fall, redemption, restoration movement. And you're going, okay, so there's their own belief and what they're putting their hope in, man, that's leading them into a deeper ditch. I'm going to be praying and asking the spirit for like, how, 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 and when would good news be good news? It might not be now with 50 neighbors in the yard, yeah. but it might be, it might be fishing, you know, or it might be over some coffee or a beer later, you know, yeah. whatever. So those kinds of things, we, we had a guy in our neighborhood, old buck, his name was Hal. Hal was about, Mm, a million? Could you be a million? Is that- uh, yeah, I think so. yeah He was about a million, all That's super cool. hunched over, oxygen tank, green oxygen tank, hanging there, swinging with the hose, right up there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, got to know how through uh, going over to uh, my neighbor Jeff Interstel's house, to five doors away, to because we had one lawnmower, we shared a lot of stuff, but we had one lawnmower. As I go back and forth, I meet this guy. And he's got the horrible lawnmower that you got to drag down the stairs like electric. Mm -hmm. And the blade width's about that wide. 100 foot (laughs) extension cord all wound around his air hose and all that. I'm like, you know, I'm coming home with the lawnmower. I cut my grass. I go back past his house with the lawnmower to drop it back off in the garage. I could accidentally cut his parkway. (laughs) Just leave it run in both directions. So I say, "Hey, Al, right. wanna, It's awesome. You want me to just start cutting that for you? Oh, man. He says it saved me like an hour, hour and a half of dragging the step because his house too in Tacoma, they're upstairs, you know, oh, so geez. he's dragging this lawnmower and the hose, you know, I mean, the cord. And all. Yeah. We get to know this guy. Well, him and his wife, they start coming him and Gail start coming to every one of these barbecues. And and then she's like, hey, I'm going out of town for three weeks. Can you just check in on Hal? And like, you know, and Hal, yeah, he became like. My extra grandpa, you know, (laughs) but he was so old. He was almost like a kid, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so you see the normalcy of all this though. Got to cut the grass. I'm walking past anyway. Got to eat. We eat 21 times, you know, Uh, there's all your, you're noticing all kinds of blessings. We managed a couple of little uh, like houses with apartments in them in the neighborhood too. Treated all those people like family, not like tenants. Like really? Yeah. I would love to come, come on over. Some of those people came over every Friday you know yeah. Just treat them like family treat them like family because that's how we see them so that's
0: good what would you say
1: to well actually, that, actually yeah. you know that's so against the i'm from florida i mean originally iowa now i live in florida and it's so against the norm i was just talking about this like when i grew up in iowa i knew mrs wittemeyer i knew mrs smith i knew the um you know the catholic priest across the street and it and they all, we all talked, we all hung out. Wait a minute, you knew Mrs. Wittemeyer? Yeah, she was amazing. <laughs> Anna Wittemeyer, a beautiful human being. Except when I kicked my football in her. Never mind, not the point. <laughs> right. But the point is, like, I feel it really is different now, and and I've tried to. It's 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 been tougher. I'll just say that it's been tougher for me. It's all yeah. up here, brother. You think so? so? Yeah, think Moving so. Moving
2: from unbelief to belief. Post COVID. It, it got so easy to, to hang out with people and have people over now. People yeah. are dying for relationship. Okay. I, I think they always were a, a few years ago. My wife and I moved to Manhattan, like right, like a block from central park mm-hmm. to train uh, like a, hundreds of leaders in this lifestyle. Yeah. And they told us this will never work in Manhattan. I'm like, it will. It totally will. Like, no, 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 no. Everybody's way too busy. Apartments are this big. No one will have you in their their apartment. They won't come to yours. It'll never work. Now it's the loneliest city in the world. And we just started inviting everybody to happy hours. Our first happy hour, we said, welcome to the neighbor happy hour for us. You don't know us. Why would you throw us a party? So we're throwing it, inviting you. People thought it was
1: super cheeky. and came. And (laughs) we did it every Wednesday and our door was, You did it at your place. Like you didn't go. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And so
2: our door, we we were first floor. So we would leave our door open, which is right next to the mailbox. Yeah. For the for the Wednesday night happy hours. And so when people are coming home from work, they could not not remember. Plus, we put flyers out, you know, all over the building. And we invited anybody we had met in the neighborhood, the guy at the thrift store, the guy at the wine store, the lady we bought our couch from on Craigslist. We just were like, Hey, we're new here. We don't know anybody. And they're like, Yeah, we don't either. And we've been living here for 15 years. We Uh did we did progressive dinners, Upper West Side, Manhattan. Man, talk about fun! You know, you go H House, a yeah. different course. That's fun. A paired yeah. beverage. You know, like it fun. It was nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it was nuts, man. And they were like, "Oh, no one will want to do it." Opposite, opposite. We tried to limit it, and everybody's like, "This is like this is the New York everybody dreams of." And I'm bringing my sister's coming. She lives in Jersey. I told her about. It. She has to. You know, like well, okay, you know. So, and it was just pretty soon. It was like you couldn't even, it was giant. It was so fun. Cool. Missional community from that. We're at Staten Island. Uh, I mean, uh, Coney Island, we're baptizing people during the mermaid
1: parade. It's crazy. I guess part of me has always wondered like, why did it change? Like in my life, you know, it wasn't like my, uh, I, I grew up with my grandparents. It wasn't like they were intentional. It wasn't like they were doing, but then when we pulled in, the neighbors would come outside, we'd all talk, like and and now it just feels like we live in a community where everybody drives their car in the garage, they put their door down, they go in, they watch Netflix. <laughs> and so maybe part of that is exactly what you're saying. Like, I love this idea that you're kicking around, but in my head, honestly, I'm wondering if it would work. Like in, in yeah. my phone. i I'm well, just we've
2: done honest. it, we've done it in almost every imaginable context now. I'm not oh, joking. Okay. I, I've I've been to yeah. I added it up this year while we were in uh, Ukraine, <laughs> wow. and they said, "Wow, it sounds like you travel a lot." I'm like, "Yeah, I don't even know how many countries." Added up 58. Wow, and not that we've trained this in all of them, but 30 plus, and it's worked. You know, um, amazing. I think, I think that, I think that air conditioning and TV and streaming has seriously changed our dynamic of how do we hang out and interact. Right?
1: Yeah, I think so. But. Check
2: this out. I mean, we said it's not additional; it's intentional. I had I had a wife of a uh, church planner that we were kind of helping train uh, few, several years ago now in Phoenix. It was 112 at midnight when I was there that week. I remember it like going. That's not human. What's wrong with that? No, I, yeah. <laughs> and she we're said, going. "Listen, it's so hot here. Like everybody just drives into their air conditioned garage, goes into the air conditioned house. Our the way our neighborhood is, they're all cul de sacs, and they kind of yeah. face." doors away from each other. She goes, "It's so I I don't I just don't run into anybody. Like how do I do this?" And I said, "Let me rephrase your question. It seems hard to accidentally run into people." And she says, "Yeah." <laughs> I said, "You know what the cure for that is?" And like you could see the light bulb, but she went, she says intentionally running into them." I'm like, "Yeah, there you go." Wow. Yeah, that's why we still do flyers and put out the A frame and you know, we're known in the neighborhood here now. We're in a different neighborhood. We're known as sort of the party house, you know, because we let the kids all play in the backyard. We have ice cream out front, fire pit, Halloween. We bring our bar from the back deck and we put it out in the driveway. Adults should have fun on Halloween too, we yeah, think. Of you know, course. Sort of, of course. <laughs> all that stuff, you know.
0: What would you say to those? Uh, I- that aren't maybe extroverted or have the gift of hospitality. Does this work for them? <laughs> what do you or say? Does it to- need Does it need that sort of a person at the helm of
1: what it? What do you say to cranky introverts that hate people?
0: <laughs>
1: well, I
2: wouldn't say this to them first, but I will say this: introversion and extroversion are so misunderstood. Uh-huh. We've learned to hide behind. Well, I'm just an introvert. No, you're selfish and you love yourself. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> introversion and extroversion have everything and only sociologically i didn't invent this but to do with how we recharge you know how we restore so introverts restore by get alone a little bit i need some time i need to not be touched i don't want to hear people i don't want to answer any more questions extroverts get off of work of doing that all day and go like man what are we doing tonight who's coming over because that's how they recharge so living this life where you go i really am legitimately introverted and i have to talk at work all day so you somehow manage you know okay so then if you know you're planning to have a barbecue Friday night, then plan to have an hour before you start to just get quiet and be quiet, you know? And here's the thing too, though, because introverted personalities tend to have a narrower bandwidth for relationships and all extroverts wider. We need both in community so badly, mm-hmm. you know, like my wife and I are both extroverted, no problem drawing a crowd, but who's going to go deep in their friendships with them? Who's going to, you know what I mean, remember to call them up after the job interview or after that doctor's appointment to see how it went and all that. It, It's not like exclusive this way, but ch- it tends to be the introverts who will go deeper and spend yeah. more time listening and talking to fewer people. Both are really needed. We usually tell people in a community on mission, like a missional community, we use that term still, um, you only need one or two extroverts.
0: yeah
1: yeah Otherwise, you have
2: more people than you could parent
0: that you can say the extroverts probably uh, prefer that anyway because then they get to be the the life of the party (laughs) that's it i I get
2: to rule the roost
0: yeah yeah (laughs) i I think one of the things that i've i found which was what initially led me to write my first book on discipleship called red letter challenge uh which is it, it was this frustration that i had that i can see in my own life and I'm extroverted as well, but I still can get to this. Uh, but also in the life of the people I was pastoring is that it's so easy, uh, to surround myself in or others to surround themselves in a Christian bubble. Yeah. And so I can be extroverted and I can actually hang out and talk with a lot of people all week long, but all of those people already know Jesus, unless I'm intentional. Yeah. And so like, how do you bust out of a Christian bubble in a way that seems genuine um and obviously maybe you're just going to tell me what you've already been telling me just be intentional
1: well, <laughs> I, well th- I think it starts with flyers <laughs> Fly- i will right, tell you okay
0: l- sidebar can i tell you this we tried this um Two years ago, we just moved back to Omaha, Nebraska, and we got into the neighborhood. And so we were going to throw an open house party. And we, you know, we're neighbors. We want to be loving. We want to be friendly. Meet meet our neighbors. We pr- bought a food truck for the day. We want to give free food away. Like this, we're going to blow this thing out of the. On the
2: big banner with the church logo on it. Good job. We
0: didn't, no, we didn't even do the church logo. because it, It's not <laughs> that, but but we 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 went around and introduced ourselves. Gave a flyer with our picture on it. Party, all that's there. So, <laughs> the, the couple days before the party, my wife's not feeling well. Uh, we don't know what it is yet, but turns out she has COVID. And and we already have this food truck rented out, and we can't get a refund on it. And so <laughs> it's a super bizarre thing. I'm in the in a lawn chair in the front on the, when the party's rocking. There's a food truck doing quesadillas and enchiladas. Uh, but it's just me. It's an open house party, but I won't let them go in or meet my wife or son who also has COVID. I'm like, ah, we tried and it miserably what failed. Did,
1: did you turn it into a COVID party? Like
0: maybe get COVID. <laughs> and I didn't want to, you know, that's not a good first impression no, no. that you want to have on your neighbors, but I'll tell no, you, I think it is actually, but it, I think stalled, it, was. Us. it stalled us in doing it again because uh, I tried it didn't work. Yeah. You know, and then we, there were some people that came over and they were kind and we've met our neighbors and we love our neighbors, but it's, it's, yeah, it hasn't gone as as smoothly or as intentional as I would say I want it to have gone. And I'm super extroverted. My wife's really hospitable. And I'm like, why why is that so easy for us to, even as Christians that know this, to just get surrounded in this bubble? And how do we get out of it?
2: Yeah, well, when, we, when my wife and I were both on staff back in the Chicago area on a, at a mega church, like pretty darn large, um, and I was on the lead team, it was super busy, six days a week, you know, like that kind of thing three services on the weekend. It was like, okay. Um, I got to a point where it all of a sudden it dawned on me. I have zero yeah. not yet believing friends, non-believers. Zero. And I'm busy. Mm. Right. Like the extent of my not yet believing relationship was cutting the grass and waving at another guy. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's St. Peter. I don't, you know, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, buddy. And so um I started realizing that if this is where the leadership's at, we're living that way. But we're telling everybody else, get out there and make disciples yeah. and live it up. Mm-hmm. It's never gonna happen. A, a, it's just so bad to do that. It's so you know, lacks integrity, you know. Yeah. Right. But I've never seen a church where it's like the leadership, yeah, we're too busy putting on the program, but our people are out crushing the disciples. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> right. You know. So for us, it's part of what it's part of what led us to say, hey, you know, do we want our kids to think that? that hour and a half on Sunday is pretty much what Jesus died for. Mm -hmm. Or is there in fact more? See, I was doing a lot of international travel and I ended up actually a missions pastor for, for a couple of years, but I was prior to that. Even on our own, we were self funding and going all over the world. And when I'd be like in Burma or in Sudan during the war or Sierra Leone during the war, the the church had nothing like, I mean, no thing, you know, nothing. Right. And, but you'd be with them and we'd be with them for weeks and they were so full of joy and so pure, and they loved Jesus. And it, you know what I mean? It was just like, oh my gosh! And and the Spirit of God had led me to on all these trips, like like over and over. Read the book of Acts. This is your this is your book. This is your quiet time, you know. So I read always. I start going on these trips, and I'd read the book of Acts, and I started seeing this parallel. The book of Acts looks like the way they live, and then by the miracle of flight, I'd be home. You know, 18 hours later, I'm driving down the big old long driveway to the campus, and the guys with the orange vests and cones are parking me in the overflow lot out back. And I'm like, hey, let me just roll the window down. You don't see who this is. Here, I don't park out back. I'm, you know, it's like sick, right? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know no unbelieving people. You know, there's all this crazy politics involved. It's an hour and a half a week, primarily, but they don't come every week. Uh, only 4.5% of people give to this whole program. You know, it was all that. And yet I was just in the bush with all these people who were being the church. I wonder if we could live like the Book of Acts in the States. Do you get to? Turns out you do, (laughs) you know? And when you live out of your identity, when you live out of who God made you to be, like you don't have to earn that. You don't have to prop that up. It's just true. It's the most free way you could live, right? Think about it. If you're living out of your truth, out of your identity, into yeah. rhythms of life that you're going to live in anyway and you're hanging out with people of peace they like you, you know? what's hard about that i we, we say we say birds don't fly because they're supposed to birds fly because they get to man <laughs> <You know? laughs> right like if we yeah. had wings we'd be like god podcast over Jeez. i'm going out and flying <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Why?" laughs> i suck at first you know, but i'm doing it you know i'd be flying right now man that's awesome that's what i'm saying
0: but I think what you're saying is so true. I think it was Eugene Peterson coined this term in like the 70s or 80s, uh, Afghanistanitis, <laughs> that sometimes Christians like they're, they they are more willing to jump on a plane in some foreign place and serve there than they are to just serve their neighbor next yeah. to them.
2: And well, so we, we be... stopped doing that. If you weren't making disciples, like as yeah. part of your life, why would I export you to a really <laughs> right. like, burdened, resource poor area? Well, they don't need that. Exactly. They don't need that. Well, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to collectively spend about 50 grand to go do about $1,000 of bricklaying. And then we're going to hand out some tracks. We don't speak the local language, but, you know, and then we're going to go to, we're going to sightsee. And that we're going to, yeah, Mike. like, no, uh-uh, not doing that. <laughs> not, no, not doing that anymore. Sorry. I was on. You a- don't have many strong opinions, do you, sir? No, that's the thing. <laughs> so you, brought- I'm figuring it out. I'm just figuring it out. <laughs> i an old block. You, you get stronger. You know. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you brought up something that just uh, gave me deja vu. Uh, I was the first mission trip I ever went on. We were in Panama. We were in this loma. The area was called Loma Cava, and it was a bunch of squatters. And we initially went down to uh, build a church. Uh, because there was this pastor who was traveling around. And when we showed up to the area, all the houses, none of them had roofs. And, and I remember it rained. And they would try to cover their houses. And the gra- like in this one house, it was a grandma, mom, and dad, and two kids. And it must have been 200, 300 square feet. Like, it was- and the grandma, as soon as it got done raining, she's you know, squeegeeing the, uh, the water out of the house. And I was shocked because as soon as we showed up with a soccer ball, like these kids had so much joy. (laughs) Yeah. Like I have never seen this kind of joy. And I remember going back to America and I had my two kids, and like one of my kids complained that they didn't have, like, God bless, they're great kids, but one of them, Like, said, ah, you know, I really like to have this new video game or whatever. And I was like, you know where I was. We were joyful with one shoe. And, you know, and it it was, but when you said that statement about, like, you know, you were in these war torn areas and these people had this joy. And then you get back and you're like, how do we bring this joy to America?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, this was the thing. We would literally come back from Sudan and then, hey, tonight's the, uh, the middle school lock-in. Yeah. And yeah. they did nothing but complain the whole night. You I, know I what I mean? Yes. <laughs> because they don't, I don't want to hear that song. I want to hear Bieber. It's like, whatever, you know, Let's <laughs> go. So, like, well, let me tell you, it was our tradition. When I'd come back from these trips, my wife would pick me up with the kids. Cause I hadn't seen them in weeks. Right. And we'd go out to eat. And I had like the shortest little fuse of tolerance for complaining out at a restaurant eating. Mm-hmm. Cause I just came from places where literally these people like, when's the last time you ate? And they're like, Hmm. I think it was a week ago. You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah. You know? Right. And so, so this, this isn't my best parenting, okay, but my kids <laughs> will remember it. So I said, that's it. I can't take it anymore. Two-thirds of the planet would be happy to eat beans and rice if they had it every day. They'd be like, oh, I can't even believe how good God is. So my wife went along with this. We cooked nothing but beans and rice for dinner <laughs> for a month. Oh, my goodness. Now, we let them have their Cheerios in the morning or fr- Fruit Loops. They had the school lunch, but for dinner, beans and rice. And my wife made it all kinds of different ways. The bad part about it is on day 12, it was my uh, oldest daughter's birthday. She's like 12 or 13, and you get to pick what you want. So I come home. My wife's making a completely different meal. And I go, hey, what, what's going on? She goes, what's her birthday? I'm like, no, 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 not this month. It's beans and rice. <laughs> said, well, I've already made it. So – Being the loving father I was, we started over the next day. So we did 12 plus 30 days of being. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow, that is brutal. Not my best parenting. However, guess what? They eat everything and they don't complain. And that was, I mean, it fixed it. I'm not joking.
0: That's pretty, yeah, Yeah. it's a pretty
2: like re- thing you'd remember <laughs> as a kid. They don't like beans and rice, oddly enough, that much. They generally pass on that at the Mexican restaurant.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Did you sneak out at all that month and
1: <laughs>
0: those 42
1: days and have
2: something? Oh, else? I had pizza delivered to the back garage door church <laughs> office bring Because you need home. to
0: learn the lesson not you yeah right? you i mean you don't need to know I didn't,
2: I didn't know, know. we, did. didn't. we don't a need, a a need to disciple people right.
0: others in hey, our i'm church not a cheater, I, don't need <laughs> a cheater. <laughs> I want to jump back to uh, you mentioned it earlier and, I, and that's why i think the lifestyle stuff is hitting a, a piece of it because i the second thing Cobbster you said was time and yeah. so if it's lifestyle that that helps solve that answer a little bit uh, maybe a lot uh, but uh, it it feels like people think they're way that they're busy, they're exhausted, they're, we're seeing all the stats, they're tired, they're burnt out, all of that stuff. And, and they're also extremely lonely at the same time. Yeah. And so h- how is this framework going to help with those areas? And are people really as busy as they say they are? I don't think they are.
1: Or is it a lie?
0: You know what's crazy? You can ask a homeless guy sitting you know, up
2: against the wall at the gas station, how are you doing today, man? He's going to say, I'm tired and I'm busy. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a cultural answer to feel important and be, you know, really okay. now there are people that are super busy and, and people we coach believers that are, are very busy and they have filled their life with that. And we say, well, you get to choose different rhythm. Yeah. You get, you know, instead of eating in your car on the way home to study and work on your sermon notes, you get to come home and eat with your kids and maybe pick one meal out of 31 or whatever, you know, or, or, uh, yeah, twenty-one meals in a week. That you're gonna say, hey, I'm gonna set aside one meal a week, just to have neighbors over if they want to come. You know, we're just we're just gonna do one. We're gonna eat anyway if no one shows. You know, you know that's okay. Um, I I think that there's maybe like a little bit of your story with the COVID hit. You rent a truck, you go big because you know you're Christian, you're a pastor. You gotta go, gotta yeah, program that crap, Gosh, man. South system, time. you know, it's all working, you know. And then, you know, oh, but I didn't get the huge numbers. We got to lose that. We got to lose that sort of measurement where it's all about attendance numbers. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, in our experience, personally, but also with everybody we coach, you need to establish a predictable pattern with people. So you're like, hey, we're doing this, you know, Taco Tuesday, you know, great. And they know it. It's like Taco Tuesday. Well, they didn't make it and they didn't make it and they didn't make it. And then they run into you. And instead of going, hey, we want to have you guys over. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. Let's get that on the calendar. And then three months later, you run into them again, and you're like, oh, we still want to get you guys over, man. Let's get, like, all right, I'm sorry. I got to get you. I got to talk to my wife. We'll work it out. You don't, you know. Hey, Tuesdays, we do Taco Tuesdays. Bunch of neighbors come over. It's real chill. Yeah. And you, you establish a predictable pattern. And what happens is it gets easier for you because you go, well, that's what we do on Tuesday. What we do? love it anyway. Yeah, exactly. And then your neighbors start to go, Hey, it's t- taco Tuesday. Let's do it this week. And then when they come and they experience the kingdom and joy and grace and fun. Yeah. Then they're like, Oh, and we start noticing people start to prioritize differently. Yeah. You know what? I was busy on Tuesdays. Cause I had, I was taking a night school class, but this semester I chose Thursday cause I want to do your taco Tuesday now, you know, and little, so you need to establish it. You can't, It's not a once and done. Remember that one time we had that party? That was
0: (laughs) cool. That's great. And I think Taco Bell now owns the right to Taco Tuesday in 49 of 50 states, not Jersey anymore. So they're allowing us to use it as we want, except maybe not in Jersey. So in Jersey, you got to figure out something else besides Taco Tuesday. But (laughs) um, that's really awesome. And I I, I love that predictable pattern, right? Because in the midst of – season where everybody feels like they're time time bound busy. If it's something you know you're gonna do, we're gonna do it anyway. You know, that that feels like that that's possible, you know, in yeah. in, well, our, you in our daily eat. lives. You gotta yeah.
1: eat. You gotta, you oh, gotta yeah. eat. Yeah. And, and the other remember piece? that
0: yeah remember that Penn and
2: Teller video that, that where Penn was talking about that guy who gave him a Bible after the show? Yeah. And Penn's an atheist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, goes, he was a really nice guy. He was a genuine guy. And I thought to, he says I thought to myself If what this guy is saying this book says is actually true, how bad do you have to hate people that you wouldn't want to tell them about it?
1: (laughs)
0: Exactly. That's pen. That's awesome. And I know, like,
2: you're already eating 21 meals a week. Would it kill you just to say, hey, we'll see who wants to come over on one of them, and we'll just pick the same day because that'll be easier for us. And by the way, we're going to pick the day that's easiest for us. Yeah, So right.
1: I, got a, I got a story that backfired real quick. <laughs> so I, I lived uh, in uh, Altamont Springs. It was right outside of Orlando. And we just moved into a rental house. My wife and my, um, my daughter was just born. And right next door to us, it was like November. Um, and right next door, there was this lady. She was an older lady. And she would always be out in the front porch, like smoking when we got home, you know. And uh, she had about a half acre lawn. And I would see, you know, she would start to mow and her lawnmower wasn't great. And she'd be smoking and coughing. And- <laughs> so finally I went over there and I said, hey, I'm Chris. Let me let me take care of your lawn this time. I noticed you're having problems with your lawnmower. So, you know, in November in Florida, that's fine. But now, like every week, uh, she would like pop out when I pulled my car and she's like, <laughs> hey, my lawn's getting kind of long over here. Like now she just assumed that I was her free lawn boy. And that in november that was fine in june in florida after mowing my half acre and then going over to hers so now i'm trying to research do i do i hire someone to come (laughs) for you know wilma's lawn and but it was funny like when i wasn't home she would knock on the door and ask my wife is your husband gonna get to my lawn (laughs) that's pretty bold i know know. that's what i'm saying like I did that for like a year, and finally, I, my lawnmower broke. And God you,
0: was gracious. Did I, you just move away? At that I, point? I had to. I had to. I couldn't maintain. <laughs> so I think we have both told Caesar backfired stories. <laughs> um, I'm not sure why we've got, but I think I don't Caesar- think
2: that backfired. I think God gave you an amazing opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And here's the, here's how we say though in connections. This is the language shift. You don't have to cut your neighbor's lawn. You're not supposed to cut her lawn, but you get to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I know. And, and there's hurts. a whole different heart to that. It's like, you know what? I get to cut her lawn every week and try to like bring some joy into her life yeah. and shoulder the weight of her crap in her life. That's what Jesus came to do. I get yeah. to do that. And, you know, a so better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down no, to. No, it's it's really a mindset. It, it's a, it yeah. takes yeah. time though. Yeah,
0: <laughs> It's good. Uh, you've really helped, yeah, turn that, you, you know, inspire and challenge us to, to think through. That's great. Like even if we've tried things and they failed, uh, let's not get stuck in a rut. Let's let's remember why we're here. Let's. let's- hey, can I tell you a failure story so you guys feel? Please, better?
1: please, thank you. I, I, that
0: would actually yeah, make yeah, me please, feel really great. Two or three fly. weeks ago, because
2: we fell out of our predictable pattern, we did we did a happy hour and we did a driveway happy hour because our neighbors kind of like that. And my grandson was here, and my wife and I, and we set it all up. And flyer, uh, no, we didn't do the flyers, so I got lazy. But <laughs> we have a very active Facebook group. Usually, you just post it. People show up. But I have my A-frame sign out there. We got skunked for the very first time in 20 years of doing this. Huh. No one came. Huh. No one came. We even have balloons on the sign. My grandson was so chuffed. He was so excited. Where's the people, Grandpa? Are the kids coming? I'm like, uh, yeah, usually. I don't know. <laughs> wow. So it happens. Now, it's also, it was July. And I did it on a Friday instead of, normally we do it Wednesday because it's hump day. And I think, and I talked to a lot of the regulars. They're like, I saw the post, and we were out of town, bro. I hit the road Friday, you know. So, yeah, well, all that's real, and it can yeah. happen. And so, a yeah. well, couple things we got to get into back into our predictable pattern. People know, and they, and uh, probably gonna move it back to Wednesday. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Well, what were you serving? I mean, was that the problem? Like, was it? Uh, well, they didn't
2: know because they didn't show
1: up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to keep some mystery to yeah. get them there. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hey, Caesar, we ask all our guests uh, this question. Ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a podcast. We want to challenge people in there every day to be a greater disciple of Jesus. So if you got one challenge to throw down to our disciples this week, they're listening. One thing practically they can do this week, what would it be?
2: I think it's low-hanging fruit, given everything we've been talking about. Yeah. Pick one of your meals this week out of 21 and and spend a couple minutes and invite some neighbors and people of peace, maybe people you know that are kind of leaning into relationship. And don't try to sell them anything. Don't try to get them to say a magic Jesus in their heart prayer. Don't <laughs> invite them to your church. Just don't even do it. Just take it right off the table so yeah. you don't have to stress and be, act weird about, like, when do I close the deal? Just have what we call high invitation, low challenge, you know, <laughs> like just... And I'd say, pick one, pick one meal and do it, like really do it. Now, if you want the upgraded challenge, how about you just pick one out of 21 that you go, you know, let's pick a night, honey, and start doing a neighborhood meal, like an open table, Mm. you know, Taco Tuesday, let's do spaghetti night. We'll do pizza because we're lazy or we don't cook very well. We're easy, (laughs) you know, that would be my challenge. You know, people ask all the time, you know, I pastor a church. What, and I want to be more missional. We want to get way more into disciple making. If you if you took over my church next month, what's the very first thing you'd start doing? And that would be it. I'd say, okay, we're 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 all going to have one meal this week with a not yet believing friend or couple, just one, and and then next Sunday, I'm going to have a whole bunch of you up to tell me how did it go. And, and you're not allowed to invite them to church. Okay. Just, just, you know, if they asked if they can come, yes, they can come, but just (laughs) the pressure's off. I want everybody in the church to have one meal with a not yet believing friend or couple. If you're scared to death, you can do it with another couple, but then you got to do two. Let's net one meal (laughs)
0: each. I love that.
2: And we're going to talk about it and just see how'd that go? What did we learn? What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn about your heart? What did you learn about your neighbor's? And then, okay, maybe we'll do it next week and we'll have a bunch of you up to talk about it yep. again. It cool. would, you think the evangelistic fruit would go up a little if everybody in the church had one meal a week with a not yet believer?
1: So, if I hear you correct, like basically you're saying build authentic rela- relationships with non believers without giving the bait and switch of making them feel compelled that they have, okay, yeah. you had my meal. Now you've got to come to my church.
2: There you I go. don't know. I mean, it sounds crazy when you say it that way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, listeners, if you take up that challenge, hashtag Red Letter Disciple, let us know how it's going. And maybe, I don't know, post a food picture. I love seeing food pictures and what you're serving at your one meal out of 21 a week that you're going to invite someone to, especially if not know Jesus. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Caesar, for that challenge. Yeah. Chris, what you got?
1: Caesar? you've really done it all. You've traveled <laughs> all over the world. You've been Uh-oh. to the bush in Africa you've yeah caught salmon recently <laughs> that's everything right there you've caught salmon maybe, not in
2: illinois he's caught it in Puget maybe not Sound, a but, maybe not
1: know. a truckload but you know comparisons an evil trap that satan throws at us <laughs> uh, i've caught more than you though apparently which is awesome all right so. good night no um, yes you have you have um i like to make a custom game for every person that uh, comes on the bring show. it and uh how many years were you in chicago um, I moved out to the Pacific Northwest when I was 43. Okay. So you would consider yourself knowledgeable about the city of Chicago? Uh, suburbs. I don't know. Yeah. Go okay. for it. Yes. I'm, super. I super thing. know everything about Chicago. I'm a Midwestern guy. You're a former Midwestern guy. Zach is a current Midwestern guy. We have the Chicago Challenge. 30 seconds on the clock. Let me just. Can I guess? Yeah.
2: I'm going to say Lou Meladis
1: no, okay, I, 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 question. I thought I you going to go
0: Geno's or Lewis. Like, lose, we're going to start off. I've heard it's Malnati's. I, That's the right answer.
1: Uh, I, we're going to start easy and we're going to okay, get okay. aggressively harder. Okay, <laughs> here we go. First question on the clock. Go. What is the name of the sports team of Northwestern University? Huskies. Wildcats. Dang, uh, the Huskies are here. Dang it. Okay. What? I'm what? not a sports guy. Are these also, yeah, you're sports not mean? a sports guy. Okay. What is the name of the public park in Chicago's loop area? It's not necessary. Oh, I'm just going to leave it there. Grand okay. Park. Uh, Millennium Park. Okay. Hold on a second. That's uh, also in the loop. Uh, Listen. us <laughs> get half point, point for that. Okay. All go right. ahead. Chicago native Jennifer Hudson won both an Oscar and a Golden Globe for her performance in what 2006 musical film? uh showgirl dream girls oh my dream girls if you walked due east from the tip of navy pier you'd walk into lake michigan if you could walk on water and continue walking east your first step on land would be what u.s state michigan that's right boom i got one what orthopedics brand with a blue and white logo was founded in 1906 by a chicago shoemaker's apprentice who was in medical school at the time saucony Okay, Doctor Schultz, That was really hard. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> that's hard, bro. No, that's not that. That wasn't fair. That wasn't fair. All right, um, let's do this. Uh, oh wait, oh no, no, I can't read that one. Um, okay, the 1450 foot tower in Chicago.
2: Well, there's. I don't know by
1: Sears. Okay. Or- yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's not yeah. called that I, anymore.
0: They've changed names now. I know.
1: Me? Um, w- measured by the number of students, what is the largest college in Illinois with the word Chicago in its full name? Chicago University? <laughs> University of Illinois, Chicago. This is the oh, final question. This is the final question. If you get this, then you win the entire game. <laughs> All right, here we go. Because of its oblong shape, chicago's giant metal cloud gate sculpture is nicknamed for what staple food the bean yes he's done there it. it is there it is i did that i we on the fly because of your um beans and uh beans and rice beans and rice story <laughs> i thought we could pull through zach tell him what he's won uh yeah you've won uh beans yeah you we're gonna send you beans uh, we're gonna send you a month of beans just beans and rice us, just yeah, for you buddy and I'll <laughs> share them with, with my kids they'll love it
0: <laughs> Awesome Caesar thanks so much for being on the podcast today if people want to connect with you and all the things you're you're doing and teaching where can they find you please
2: stop by and listen check it out check out the everyday disciple podcast and how you can find that, it in, huh how often does that release every Monday. Oh, cool. Okay. Coming up on seven years. Um, Everyday Disciple podcast. It's got the little feet running across the logo. There are some people nicking the name lately, Everyday Disciples, you know, stuff like that. Um, and But there's you can find that podcast and a ton of free like resources to help you get started with these kind of things. Go to everydaydisciple.com. Call
0: cool. one word, everydaydisciple.com. Awesome. And we'll put those links in the show notes too. Thanks. So- really handy and uh right there for you but hey man thanks so much for spending some time with us congrats on the salmon and enjoy the shawarma tonight oh and, uh yeah it's man a just good really day Sunny.
2: it feels like friday thursday's the new friday <laughs>
0: yeah, i agree why not <laughs> all right thanks caesar god bless you bud thank you all right thank bye, you. bye. Thanks to Caesar in helping us become greater everyday disciples. You know the way he talks. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I can do what he's asking. Me. I can do one meal a week out of 21 meals and, and share that with somebody else. Maybe Caesar, I won't do red beans and rice, but you know, I can do a meal. Hey, if you want to connect with Caesar, his podcast, it's a really great podcast, or any of his work, you can find all of that and more at redletterpodcast.com. So if you go to that website and click on his episode, you'll see the show notes. that has got all the highlights for today and all the links to not only meet Caesar and connect with him, but also to grab that free Advent devotional that we want to give to you on this Giving Tuesday. And also it's got the links for our greatest deals of the year. For our 40 day challenges and those red Friday deals are ending um, tomorrow so make sure you grab them now redletterpodcast.com. Next week we're wrapping up what's been a really great season. Uh, the past two years, my wife Allison and I have been working on our newest 40 day challenge called Serving Challenge. And we got the books a few months ago and we just launched and completed this 40-day challenge in 17 churches nationwide. And so next week, we're flipping the mic again, this time Chris interviewing me. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you all about what I learned in the last two years about how Jesus has served us. We're going to look at the five aspects of how to serve like Jesus and and what is so hard and challenging about serving, but also like the more we dive into it and serve like Jesus, we're going to see, and I hope you get this, how Serving like Jesus brings more fulfillment than anything else in this world. And so it's a really great opportunity to hear about how to serve like Jesus and be challenged to do that. So don't miss it. It's next week. It's the finale of season five next week. Subscribe or follow so that these episodes on whatever streaming platform you're listening or watching if you're on YouTube, it'll just show up. And that would mean the world to us. And we'll see you back next week for the Red Letter Disciple.
1: A Huda Media Production.